are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome in to another episode of the Locked On NFL podcast. It's Tuesday. That means you get me and Ross. I'm Luke Braun. I do Locked On Vikings. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Ross does Locked On Saints. And you can find him on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola, N O L A. And we got a jam packed show for you talking about Ross Jackson Saints. But before we do that, we will talk about some of the toughest divisions. See if we can't answer the uh, age old question of what the toughest division is to play in here in the NFL. And of course, it is Tuesday, which means we got the Tuesday Fantasy Forum. Draft season is coming up. You're not going to want to miss it. And to that end, Make sure you check out the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast, where Vinny Iyer, beast that he is, did a 12-team, 17-round mock draft spread over a couple of weeks of the podcast, and all sorts of interesting insights came from that. Go check that out. Listen to it. You will absolutely have an edge on everybody else in your league. For us, though, let's start with the toughest division in the NFL, and it's as simple as that. What do you think, Ross? What would be the toughest division to play in in this NFL right now? Um... It, it's a, it's an interesting question because there's a couple of different ways that you can look at this, right? You can look at it as the division that has the highest win percentage, the division that has the most successful team, therefore making it tough for you as not that team to win the division, or the most evenly matched division. So I think it just kind of depends upon how you decide to look at this. But the way that I kind of looked at it was which which division is most evenly matched but isn't super top heavy. And the fact of the matter is that there's only two divisions in the NFL that last year didn't finish with two or more teams at four and two within the division or better. The only two divisions that that happened were the NFC West and the AFC East. However, the AFC East had an 0-6 team in it, so that can't be the answer. So for me, the NFC West feels like the division that may be one of the most challenging to play in, even though it's not the division with the highest win percentage. It may be the division that has the most evenly matched four teams in terms of talent and ability to compete with one another in any division in the NFL. Yeah, and you also have to think about, like, I I think it's the NFC West, too. And you have to think Mm -hmm. about, like, where teams are versus where they were last year. Uh, The 49ers have a much better quarterback situation than Nick Mullins or whatever the hell. The Rams upgraded at quarterback. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the Cardinals Over Nick Mullins or whatever the hell. (laughs) (laughs) The Cardinals improved a lot over the offseason. Like, everybody, it's, you know, the constant NFC West arms race. And I kind of think they run away with it, like, to... Maybe you could say the AFC East because the Patriots are always going to be a squirrely team as long as Belichick's there, even if you don't believe in camera or whatever. The Bills are the Bills. The Dolphins have a good defense. They're coming up and maybe you have some faith in Zach Wilson and the Jets, too. But I just don't think that it quite comes up to the level of the NFC West. But I don't know. What other candidates would there be to compare to this NFC West? Well, one, definitely. I mean, there was also only one team in the NFL last year, excuse me, one division in the NFL last year that had three double digit win teams as well. And that was the AFC North, who, of course, had the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mm -hmm. the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns all at 10 wins or above, actually 11 wins or above. And then, of course, you had the the Cincinnati Bengals who dealt with the quarterback injury to Joe Burrow and everything. So that's definitely another one that you could look at as well. So you have this division where all the teams are so good 
and are so evenly matched in that way that and they also pack the highest win percentage. They had the best division win percentage in the AFC North last year, uh, 59.4% with 38 wins out of 64 total uh, amongst the four teams. So that's another one that should definitely be in consideration as well. And especially a bunch of talented quarterbacks there, depending upon what happens as Big Ben comes back for another season or post Big Ben, if you look down the road a little bit yeah. for the Steelers. And those Steelers are my problem with this. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I don't know if 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 Kate Majuk catches wind of this. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's I, not, I, I'd be worried about Chris Carter personally on the Friday episode <laughs> coming for you. <laughs> True. Well, he is more than welcome to come after my Vikings. I probably agree. Uh, <laughs> the, but I, I just I just don't buy it with the Steelers. I don't buy sure. what they built. I don't buy this. I mean, they they are kind of running back the same veterans over and over and over again. And that's been a very successful formula for the, the better part of like two decades for them. I don't think Big Ben has it anymore. I think they've lost too many parts of that defense. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't really believe in their skill core. I think it's a, a lot of just a guys. Um, and yeah. so I, I, I guess, yeah, I, I struggle to see like if I'm preparing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, what scares me. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it goes along with what you had mentioned, the kind of the opposite of the NFC West, right? Like, it, we tend to, like, take a look at the beginning of every season and go, oh, who's got the best strength of schedule based upon last year's records, which isn't right. actually really indicative of what next year's team is going to be. And I think that's something you have to factor in here with the AFC North. Yeah, and like with the Cardinals, getting a year older is a good thing because right, they right, all get sure. to play together a little bit more. And plus, you know, they add like J.J. Watt. And so uh, for the Steelers, getting a year older is not a good thing. Not as great. Not as great. Now, there's also the conversation to be had around the NFC East. Now, the <laughs> NFC East is evenly matched because no team is too good. No team is too poor within their own division. And so you have all of these teams that separate one another by only one or two wins, but also only win one or two games throughout the entirety of the season. Of course, seven or six games last year. But that's another one to where you kind of look at and you say, okay, this could be a tough division to play in based upon how evenly matched the teams are, even if the teams aren't elite, like, say, the NFC West. Yeah, I, I think my response to that would be that, like, if you can be mediocre and win that division, it can't be that tough of a division. Sure. Whereas, you know, the NFC West, if you're a mediocre team, you're getting last place in the NFC West. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I guess if you really buy into what the Cowboys are doing, they get Dak Prescott back, you know, maybe you think that this is going to be the year we finally see everything we want to see out of Daniel Jones. You can start to kind of craft that. Sure. Um, but I don't really buy – I would love to – be a part of the nfc east yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the part that maybe is the hardest thing about playing in the nfc east um neither of us bring up the divisions for the teams that we cover the nfc south of course the NFC not. north <laughs> i just think there's so many question marks right now about both of those divisions that it's tough to call either one of them the hardest division to be a part of i think there were yeah, times no. for both of these divisions where you could say that but going into the 2021 season i would put them Maybe, you know, middle of the road, maybe just above middle of the road in terms of hardest, but I can't I can't name either one of them as the toughest division to be a part of. I mean, I think the Packers are currently favored to win the NFC. Uh mm-hmm. or no, maybe the Bucks are, but they're second. Or maybe the Bucks, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really see the NFC North as like this t- rough and tumble division as it has been in years past. You know, the Vikings and Bears, they'll be fine, they've got a chance. The Lions don't exist and the Packers are good. It, you can do a lot better than that. <laughs> um the NFC South is interesting though. I don't it buy into the Panthers. I'm as low on the Panthers yeah. as I am on the Lions, but yeah. you've got this kind of elite. Bucks team, and then you have this absolute enigma of the Saints, and kind right. of an enigma of the Falcons too. But I want to talk to you about that enigma of the Saints. 
Yeah, no, we'll definitely get to that as we continue on with our team-by-team previews heading into training camp for uh, the NFL season here. Just, what, 22 days away from the Universal Reporting Day? 21 days away? Pretty, pretty soon we'll be there. So we'll get into the New Orleans Saints here in just a moment. Luke's got some questions for me, and we'll preview that team as we continue on with another episode of Locked On NFL. Right now, the New Orleans Saints favored on betonline.ag to win the second finishing position in the NFC South, plus 1-3-0. They're plus 325, though, to win the division right now. Of course, the favorite within that division are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at minus 175. So if you feel either way about any of that information or you want to check out the rest of the NFL final standings odds that betonline.ag has. Check them out online, of course, at betonline.ag. It's free to sign up for an account. Now, when you put money down to bet with, make sure you use the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. That's a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, moving on with this Locked On NFL Tuesday edition. I'm here with Ross Jackson. He covers the Saints for Locked On Saints, and it's Saints Day. So it's time to talk about the Saints. Uh, this is great. We got a Vikings fan questioning you about the Saints. But okay, so I, I guess the big question has to be around the quarterback situation. And, and I want to know, who do you think is getting this? Every time I think about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, my brain just kind of shrugs and I think about something else. Who's winning <laughs> that job? And do we feel good about it? Or do we feel good about either of these options? Yeah, that's a really, that's, okay, so let I, but let's answer both of those questions. So we'll start with who wins the job. As of right now, for me, the front runner is Jameis Winston. But this is a legitimate quarterback competition. Like there's no sort of, you know, sometimes you hear about a QB competition and camp and stuff like that. But really, oh, they sure. kind of know who the other guy is. But this is legitimate. I mean, Jameis Winston comes in with five years of starting NFL experience. He has done and said all the right things so far here over the course of his offseason. Yes, like we can harp on the 30 interception season, but we can look to the years before that and see that that was a bit of an anomaly for him. And then you look at Taysom Hill, who, of course, Sean Payton loves, this organization loves, and they went to in an emergency quarterback uh, uh, need mm-hmm. in an emergency quarterback situation when Drew Brees was hurt last year in the 2020 season. Now, that was sort of pre-negotiated as a part of the, hey, as you sign this contract, I promise you that if we need a you know emergency quarterback, that we'll go to you. But if we need somebody in-game, then we'll go to Jameis. And that was what Sean Payton promised Taysom Hill, came through on that promise. So if there really has been any type of conversation about Taysom Hill getting a legitimate shot at this quarterback position, which clearly there has been, you have to imagine that Sean Payton is going to be loyal to that as well, just like he was last season. So with all that put together, I do think that this is a legitimate quarterback competition, but I do think that Jameis Winston is in the lead. The New Orleans Saints value confidence and they value NFL experience. Jameis Winston has both of those and particularly confidence in boatloads. And he's been working out with all of these players, all these receivers, all of that has been a big part of his offseason regimen. We know kind of the rest of the offense. It's a lot of people that have been with the Saints for a long time, right? Ramchick just got his, his extension. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. No questions there, right? Everybody's good. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, the Saints have had a pretty good defense for a while. A lot of that's anchored around like Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, um, I, like Marcus Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, are there players on the Saints that we should be paying more attention to that we aren't? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess I would look probably at what Malcolm Jenkins did last year coming back to New Orleans and not having an offseason at all. 
um, and mm-hmm. immediately fell into the rhythm of this New Orleans Saints defense and helped to maintain some cohesion and communication amongst the secondary. He really stepped into a leadership role last year and was a big part of the success of the secondary that led tied for the lead in the NFL with most interceptions last year. And I think, uh, you know, obviously, Demario Davis is your leader on the defense from the second level. Um, first team All Pro 2019, second team All Pro last year. He's somebody that has been a real staple point for a real staple rather for the uh for the new orleans saints defense and their success over the last few seasons since he showed up in new orleans and was signed so i think that he would definitely be one to watch but the big thing that i'm going to really be looking forward to luke is going to be on the defensive line i mean who's going to be that pass rusher opposite cam jordan to produce in lieu of trey hendrickson who had 13 and a half sacks last season who's going to be that other defensive tackle next to david on after the saints lost sheldon rankins last year their usual pass rushing three tech penetrating mm-hmm. type of interior defensive lineman you've got a bunch of young guys and a couple of vets really i mean that's really what this position group is going to look like and then of course who's going to step up opposite marshawn Lattimore after they lost to norris jenkins this offseason yeah, on that defensive line, it's interesting because uh, after all of that, you would kind of think that after trading a couple of first round picks, Marcus Davenport would be able mm-hmm. to kind of step up and be that guy. Is that the expectation we can like reasonably have for Marcus Davenport entering, what is it, year four, year three? Yeah, going into year four here. And I think that it's certainly the hope for him. They've already picked up his fifth year option for next season in 2022, which I think is just as much to show Marcus Davenport that the New Orleans Saints are willing to pick up a vote of confidence to let him know that they believe that he'll pan out. And I do think that that becomes a big part of this. And Mm -hmm. and the Saints, again, value confidence big time. And so they're not going to do something like push off and and, and not pick up your fifth-year option before the season where you could potentially break out in your fourth year. So I do think that he is in line to do that. The expectation is they're ever going to do that. And certainly the opportunity will be there for them to do that. It's just about whether or not he could take advantage of the opportunity and be able to convert things. Now, he's changed sort of his mentality a little bit in terms of what he believes production is to where it's not all about sacks. It's about disrupting the offense, disrupting the offensive line, and disrupting the quarterback just as much as it is actually getting to the quarterback. And I think that can work in his benefit. That's very much the mentality that Cam Jordan brings along, except Cam Jordan's more than happy to count his sacks, particularly against, you know, division Mm -hmm. quarterbacks and things like that. Sure. And then on that secondary beyond Marshawn Lattimore in the cornerback room, maybe a longtime veteran of the NFC West, a cornerback who played in uh, maybe even a pivotal NFC championship between his two, his his then team and his yeah. eventual uh, next team. Maybe a yeah. guy like that, maybe? Very, very possible. And his uh, former secondary coach happens to be the now secondary coach in New Orleans. So it's oh, completely, interesting. completely possible that that could How happen. interesting. <laughs> uh, Luke, you know what else is interesting? Uh, what did I do? You know what else is interesting? Uh, what's interesting, Ross? Nine flavors of Built Bars, oh baby. It's Built Bar time. That's what I'm talking about. Get you a Built Bar. Gives you some boxes of Built Bars. You can get a sample box <laughs> with like two versions of all because it's fantastic is why. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a sample box that gives you two different, that gives you two of each of the nine flavors of Built Bars. You can go ahead and check out a, a customized build your own box that gives you three flavors that you can choose from as well. They've got everything you need coconut coconut almond mint chocolate uh, uh peanut butter brownie raspberry chocolate they have so many different things and something for everyone and the best part is that you hear all those flavors and you have to think wow ross that sounds like that's loaded in sugar but you know what's really interesting luke 
Is it perhaps low in sugar? It is. It is low in sugar. It is also low in carbs. It is also low in calories, but it is high in fiber and high in protein. Go and check them out. BuiltBar.com, best taste of protein bars on the market. And when you head over to the website, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5, so that you can get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, moving right along. It is time for the Tuesday Fantasy Forum, and today we're going to talk a little bit about some fallers year-to-year in Dynasty Fantasy. So on Lockdown Dynasty Fantasy Football, Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell talked about some top 50 players whose average draft position ADP fell a whole bunch from uh, then to now, and we'll see if those drops are justified, or maybe there is an opportunity here to buy the dip, as Kate Majuk so often says. So (laughs) Ross, hit me with some of those names. Yeah, so let's start with a couple of running backs here. Uh, Kenyon Drake, who dropped from 32 to 139. Melvin Gordon, who dropped from 50 to 105. Both of these being top 50 running backs at this point last year. Now, both outside of the top 100 this year. We'll talk a little bit about what Ryan and Matt had to say about each of these. But what is your initial sort of reaction to hearing a pair of these running backs dropping out? I mean, yeah, old running backs. Running backs mm-hmm. just don't have a lot of shelf life in the NFL. So, it, you know, as Melvin Gordon was the star of a few years ago, is what, 2015 draft class? Kenyon Drake's like 27 years old, athletic prime, but there's always going to be somebody younger and a little more exciting. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon goes and joins with a, an exciting rookie in Javante Williams. That seems mm-hmm. like it'll be a little bit more of a legit split than versus like Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Uh, in Las Vegas, like Josh Jacobs is going to be the bell cow more than Kenyon Drake will be. Um, and, you know, Melvin Gordon dealt with some injuries and there's a lot of reasons. to. So I kind of buy that he would fall a little bit. I don't know if this is a an opportunity to jump on it. I think maybe the market's getting this these two right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, I think you're absolutely right. And there's, it's an interesting sort of scenario and situation both of them are in. One of the things that Ryan and Matt both point out is that when it comes to Kenyon Drake, you do have Josh Jacobs ahead of him, yes, but you also have a Josh Jacobs who has been riddled with injuries so far throughout his career and has dealt with missing yeah. time on his own. So it could be somebody worth investing in at a later time, or potentially if he's available very late in your draft that you could potentially look for him, particularly if you're in a situation to where you're just starting up a, uh, a dynasty league. And then the other player in Melvin Gordon, one of the things that they mentioned was keep an eye out on if he ends up getting moved at some point, right? To where if like a New York Jets comes calling, a Miami Dolphins comes calling, or they also mentioned the Chicago Bears, like if they ended up with an injury to David Montgomery, then what, you know, could they potentially reach out to Denver for a guy like Melvin Gordon? And so could Melvin Gordon at that point carry more value? That's sort of the scenario where they could see them not necessarily getting back up to their top 50 ADP like we saw them yeah. last year, which felt a little high for Kenyon Drake altogether in the first yeah. place. But it is a possibility for them to potentially raise based upon what happens around them, but nothing that you should really be jumping on at this time. Yeah, those are all great reasons to take a late round flyer on someone. And that ADP is kind of telling us that that's where their value's at. Yeah. Uh, and then we got a pair of wide receivers here that are really interesting because we're talking about guys that were stars in the NFL. And I think, I personally think still will be. But first, we have Odo Beckham Jr. in Cleveland dropping from 25 at this point last season to 72. That's 47 drops or 47 spots that he dropped. Now listed at wide receiver 35. Is this fall too far? 
or can he be somebody that brings himself back up into the top 50? I, I think the major concern with Odell Beckham is health, right? Mm-hmm. If he can stay healthy, he can be a big part of a dynamic Browns offense. That was really dynamic even without him. Um, and so that's what you have to hope for. There's also, I mean, there's always a, an Odell Beckham trade rumor floating around too. So sure. kind of a similar thing with Melvin Gordon, where maybe his value goes up or down depending on the team. Uh, but I would probably buy that dip with mm. Odell Beckham. It seems like, for the most part, and this applies a little bit to the next guy too, it seems a little bit like at wide receiver, if you get hurt and have a down year because of it, that kind of becomes who you are in the grand yeah. like consciousness uh, and it's not that hard to project a bounce back for a guy if all he has to do is stay healthy. Now, for Odell Beckham, that is like kind of a thing. And how much do you trust that? And you kind of have to weigh right. that risk. Uh, but I, I don't know. It feels like that's a little low for him. Yeah, for this one, it just feels like it's he's too volatile a player because of the health question. Yeah. To to invest any high any higher than the same place where you might invest in like a Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, some of these other guys that can also produce for you later on in the draft. And maybe, I mean, even Cooper Cup has his his injury questions, right? Like if Cooper sure. Cup wouldn't be as injured as he so often is, then could he even be higher? Like we could very well be talking right. about him as well. Speed but, players with an ACL thing is always really scary. Always a thing. But Absolutely. like for all the hype that the Browns offense is getting, and rightfully so, people are really high on the Browns having yeah. a really dynamic offense in 2021. Who's getting that production? It's not right. all going to be Jarvis Landry. Right, right. Like it's got to go elsewhere. There's got to be some other option. And so if if Odo Beckham Jr. is healthy, he'll be that other option for certain. And I think even attaching the word other to Odo Beckham Jr. as the option feels a little dirty, right? Like he's going to be the option, the number one option in that case, as long as he's healthy. One of the things that Matt and Ryan said was that, look, he's he could be somebody that plays at exactly this or has an injury or whatever that keeps him at around where he's being valued right now, or he has a top five wide receiver season and you don't have to squint for either one to figure out either one of those as possible. Like it doesn't take much to see it in, in the cards for Odo Beckham jr. One way or another. Now here's, here's the final one that I wanted to end up on. And obviously I'm going to feel a certain way about this, but this will be, (laughs) so this is really more so like for you. And then I'll, I'll relay what Ryan and Matt had to say, uh, Michael Thomas, Wide receiver yeah. from New Orleans dropping from four this time last year in the top five now to 36. So he didn't drop out of the top 50, but takes a big plummet here, 32 spots after being in the top five. And he's now listed at wide receiver 12 right behind Terry McLaurin of the Washington football team. What do you feel about this? I mean, you kind of already alluded to it, but yeah, the injury God, really being that. a part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God, I would slam that if I had the <laughs> opportunity to get Michael Thomas in like the second round of a dynasty startup. Oh, my God, I'm all over that. Yeah. I'd be trading up. Um, look, he again, it's it's another like he was injured. The Saints had a weird offense. He didn't do as well last year. There was a lot of weird Taysom Hill stuff. Um, and obviously the plan will be a little bit more calibrated for Taysom Hill if he's the mm-hmm. starter on purpose this time. And that right. means more Michael Thomas. I, yep. I just can't see a world where Michael Thomas is just suddenly bad when he was like the best wide receiver in football, not even two years ago. Yeah. He hurt his ankle, man. Like it happens. And if he can stay healthy, it's a, it, and he doesn't have like a huge history of injuries or anything like that. If he gets just a little luckier, you might have the a, a, a pick there that wins your league. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, the injury happened week one because somebody rolled over on his foot yeah, bad on a luck. play that he arguably probably shouldn't have even been in the game for. Honestly, <laughs> it was like you know, game in the bag late in the. Oh yeah, it was quarter. like a big blowout. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's like, you know, it's one of those things to where it wasn't something that just feels like it's going to be a chronic this, that, and the other that kind of happened out of nowhere. And the other thing that I'll mention too, just from my experience covering the Saints, the four games that he played with Taysom Hill, 37 targets in those games. It's nearly 10 targets per yeah. game with Taysom Hill. And you're talking about Jameis Winston, who before the 2019 season targeted outside receivers, second highest in the NFL since 2009, despite not coming into the NFL since six years after that at 47.1%. So I think both of these quarterbacks who will also be playing in, regardless of who the quarterback is, a Sean Payton system, Michael Thomas is going to get his utilization. And if he doesn't, who is supposed to get it? Like who's taking it away Again, from him? Yeah. Yeah, for real. I guess we'll see what happens with all of that. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on NFL. We're going to be back at it tomorrow, though. It'll be James and Tony, and they're going to be covering the Bengals tomorrow, breaking down Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, the big LSU reunion going on over in Ohio and all the, uh, I guess, the other players that are there, too. So it'll be a, a bunch going down for tomorrow, as well as checking in on the draft and some of the young guys in the NFL. And of course, don't forget that we're here with you. I know it's the offseason, but every Monday through Friday, five days a week here at Locked On NFL. And so is Locked On Today, which you can catch wherever you get your podcast as well and get all the sports news that you need in less than 20 minutes. NBA Finals begin tomorrow. Olympics are right around the corner. So so much to check out with Peter Bukowski over at Locked On today. For Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL, I am Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson NOLA NOLA. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. And of course, we'll see you again here very soon on another episode of Locked On NFL.